Good morning. Thank you all for being here. I, uh, I, I watched that and I was like, that storm is moving fast. Until you look at the, I don't know if you're watching the bottom, the chickens in that coop were going like 80 miles an hour. So obviously it was a time lapse. But anyway, hey, thank you for being here this morning. Two things I want to do real quick. First of all, I have not looked right here in weeks because I, I didn't forget about our online viewers. I just thought of them later on. And so um, I am going to be getting a picture of every single one of your faces to put above those cameras each week so that I remember to look right there. But hi, online viewers. Thank you for tuning in. And then I need to redact something that I said last week toward the end of the sermon. What I said was this week, we were going to start going through a book of the Bible. And I stopped. And as I thought about that, I went, oh my goodness, we, what we really ought to consider is like zoom and way out. Because I think for many of us, the, the hesitancy that we, that we get when we approach the Bible is we think about a book or we think about a verse or we think about maybe a plan that you have on your phone. And um, it's hard to get oriented to it and to get to know it. And so here's, here's what I want to do. Actually, let me tell you right after I share this with you. Many of you, if you're on our email list, we sent out a uh, little survey um, this this last few days, and I just wanted to find out what is your relationship with the Bible, okay? I can assure you it's anonymous, okay? Um, I, I can assure you. You're just going to have to take my word for it, okay? But it, it was pretty interesting, the, the results. There were, there were a few different choices. The first was uh, you would describe your relationship with the Bible as a daily or close to it thing. And 64% of you said, yeah, that's, that about describes it. Uh, and then there were, uh, there was another answer that you have a daily relationship with you, but it's actually a sleep aid for you. You know, like you pick it up and if you're having trouble falling asleep, you, you open it and then there you go. You're out. You wake up hours later and you go, I love the Bible. I just love the Bible because it helps me sleep. And I believe it's about 10%. You have 10% said it helps you go to sleep. And then, uh, there was a weekly option. Weekly meaning you, you get exposed to the Bible by um, you come to church on Sunday morning or a weekly study. And I believe that was about 22%. Okay. So there are a couple other options. Okay. So, um, one option. And, and I'm only putting options on there that have been options for me in my own life. Okay. One of those being every four years when you get into a political discussion that becomes an argument. Okay. And, and so you, it's, it's a weapon, okay? That, let's just call it what it is. 2% of you said that's, that about describes it. No judgment here. Um, and then um, I, this is the one that I just think this would be so cool if this could happen. Osmosis, okay? Osmosis is where, you know, water moves to a place of uh, higher, lower concentration. It moves back and forth. And I've tried that before. And I have yet to have it happen. If it happens for you, please Tell me, tell all of us. So 1% said that, 1% said disinterested. Again, no judgment on any of it, but I have one goal for these next few weeks. One goal in mind, and it's this, to get you to dust it off. To dust your Bible off, because we've all probably run into the reality where we just, we go, oh, I know I should walk over there to the shelf and I should pick it up, but it sits <clears throat> and it collects and it gathers dust, right? Now, some of you are like, not me. I'm digital. I'm digital. And I have news for you. There is such a thing as digital dust, okay? And you know you have it because when you go to tap on the app, it has to download again because it's been so long since you used it, okay? 
So you may not have physical dust, but there is digital dust. Now, over these next few weeks, some of you, that's going to mean that you physically take it off the shelf and you get the dust off of it and you actually open it. Okay? Now, others of you, I want to dust off maybe your view of the Bible. In fact, that's going to be where we are today. I want to dust off your view of the Bible because you think... I mean, I already mostly know what it says. You know, I grew grew up in church or people have yelled it at me or people have used it against me or uh, I've just been inundated with it. And you just feel like you already know what it says or, or people who have just been really, really harsh to you maybe have used it. And so you've got a view of it, not from actually engaging it, but because of the people of how people have engaged you with it. So. Still others, I just want to dust off and have you dust off, maybe just the way you even know it, okay? And so for the next few weeks, we're going to zoom way, way out, and we're going to look at the Bible, and and we're just going to say, what would it look like for me to dust it off? Now, here's what complicates everything, and here's what that bumper was really getting at. You and I walk in a world that is just covered in dust, And the truth is that you could sit on your couch and you could do absolutely nothing all day. You could stay completely still and you know what would start to happen over time? You'd start to collect and you'd start to gather dust, wouldn't you? Yeah, every single one of us. We're gathering dust. And so what happens is when we notice that happening in our lives... When we notice not just that your your Bible cover is gathering dust, but maybe your life, you start to look around and it's like, gosh, I don't like this and I don't like that and that's not ideal... And and I'm just dusty and dirty. And the things around me and the world around me, it's just dusty and dirty. You know what we do? We start to think in terms of relevance. And so what we do is we do this thing that uh, this seminary professor, I remember saying, we like to go to to the Bible and we like to helicopter in. Okay, so imagine you're in a helicopter and you just float, you hover over the open Bible and you're just looking for the one verse that's gonna speak to your situation. Now, you get... Could, could it do that? Absolutely. But a lot of times what happens is we end up taking something out of context, meaning we, we maybe miss the meaning of what it was actually getting at. And we maybe miss the bigger picture of the Bible. And that's what these next few weeks are about, is getting at what is the Bible actually? Not how I've understood it, not, not how people have used it um, in my life. What is it actually? And one of the things we'll do is we love this word relevance. Here's the question. Relevant to who? Relevant to who? Because as long as I just make the Bible about whatever I'm going through, I'm going to have some severe blind spots to what, what else is in there, in the riches of all of it, because it's deeply nourishing. And there's so much more in it than how we, we usually engage it. This goes for me as well. And so as we look at what is relevant, we've got to ask the question, relevant to who? And there's a man that, who, whose books I love to read. His name's Harold Sankville. And here's what Harold Sankville had to say <clears throat> about our engagement with Scripture. He said, Like a flowing river, the contemporary picture is forever in motion. No sooner do you grasp one aspect, but it starts to morph before your very eyes. As one person put it, whoever marries the culture is destined to be an early widower. The challenge in every generation is to link the person and work of Jesus to every shifting era by means of his unchanging word. Not to contextualize the message, but for people to get textualized into scripture. 
Now, that may go against what you grew up learning or believing about the Bible. Because a lot of times we go to the Bible and we go, okay, what do you have to say to me? Give me the five steps to a better marriage. For me, when I was younger, it was give me the three steps to how I, I um, make the basketball team. How do I get a little bit taller? How do I, you know, and, and we make it so applicable to us. Now, are there things in there that can make you taller? I do not believe so, okay? But are there some things in there that could help your marriage? Absolutely. But as long as we go to it for just tips and tricks and, and kind of hacks to get through life, we're missing something so much more rich and nourishing in Scripture. I mean, I want you to just think about, and we talked about this a little bit over the last year and a half. Think about this last year. All the movements in our society that we went through. I mean, just, just think about the shifts. Because, you know, one month it was like, uh, it was Kobe Bryant. Remember? We lost Kobe Bryant. That was actually right before COVID hit. A lot of us forgot about that because of COVID. But then literally the next month it was COVID. And then, and then there were some, some very severe, serious social issues going on. Still going on. And then we were back to COVID. And then we moved into an election. Yeah, and, and so it just kept moving and moving and moving. And I'm telling you, it, it's not that we don't have something to, to a, a part to play in all of it. It's that if you chase it down and you continue to just say, well, how is it relevant to me? How is it relevant to me? That is so subjective. And so we miss, we miss the riches of scripture. See, we tend to deal with the dust immediately around us, don't we? And, and there's an issue with dealing with just the dust right around us. In the 1980s, the National Park Service noticed that the Lincoln Memorial was actually deteriorating. It was, it was actually just like fading away and in, in, in the actual... Um, structure of it was deteriorating. And so as they looked at it, they realized that there was, a, there was a bunch of bird poop all over it. And so every single day, they were scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing on the bird poop. Well, why were, why were the birds so attracted to the Lincoln Memorial? And the answer was spiders. There were spiders all over the Lincoln Memorial. Now, why were spiders crawling all over the Lincoln Memorial? And what would happen is that a nearby river... These, um, it's this insect called midges. Okay, midges, at night, when the lights would turn on and shine on the memorial, they would come out and they would go to the wall where the light was and they would, they would be drawn to the light and actually feed on the dust that was on the memorial. And so what we were actually doing was trying to clean one of the effects of the dust. It was just three or four steps down the line. And in the same way, when you look at your life and you try to clean the dust on your own, you know what happens? You end up just doing more damage. We end up just doing more damage. So in contrast to that, what I'd love to propose to you is really what I believe God proposed to us. You can try to go through this life and deal with the dust that you see around you and on you and all over the world, or, or there's something else that he gave us. And you know where I'm going with this. But listen to Psalm 119, 
In Psalm 119, I mean, I think I could start reading at verse 1, and 176 verses later we'd finish, and it would be 30 minutes gone by, and we could leave. But we're not going to do that this morning. I just want to look at eight verses in the middle of Psalm 119. It's a psalm all about the Word of God. But listen to, to what the psalmist says about the Word in verse 89. He says, Your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your word is eternal. Do we understand the word we use when we say and we read the word eternal? I think we don't because we get so used to these big, big words that are there that we just kind of get desensitized to it. But he says, no, it's eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Well, what else stands firm in the heavens? You know, the sun, but I don't, I don't, I'm not going out here after service. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just sit there and be in awe of the sun. I'm not going to, don't do this, okay? Don't stare at the sun in awe of it as a takeaway from the message. You know, once a couple times a year, we'll stare at the stars that are fixed in the heavens. But the psalmist says, no, your word is eternal. It's fixed there. He goes on. He says, your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures all generations you think about that i mean what do we have here we have generation z and then we've got millennials and then we've got the greatest generation generation x just kidding all right and then the boomers and then we have what has been referred to as the greatest generation right am i missing that they're all like that's right that's right See, we've got five generations represented here, but you go through history, all the generations, and the psalmist says, you have been faithful, God, to every single one of them because you gave us your word. He goes on, your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. See, you know what? You and I have a choice. We have a choice to either deal with the dust or as the psalmist is getting at, engage the eternal. With every single thing you deal with in life, you have a choice to deal with the dust, and and it's constantly going to be reacting and stirring and chasing after, or you can engage the eternal word. Now, let let, let me just drill down on this word eternal for a moment, okay? And to do that, I need to talk to you about shuffling a deck of cards, and I promise this is going somewhere, but this was absolutely mind-blowing to me. Some of you may have seen this. Last time you shuffled a deck of cards, chances are what you ended up with was a combination that has never, ever, ever been reached in history. Now, that's saying a lot, because you think about all the people who have decks of cards, and you think about Las Vegas, or places you can go deal with cards a lot, of all the shuffling that's ever been done, chances are the last time you did it, you found a combination that nobody has ever arrived at. Now, how many possible combinations do you think there are of shuffling a deck of 52 cards? Anybody from statistics class? Remember this? Okay, the answer is this. It's 52, and that is, that's the number. That it, it, can we go back to the last, the last one, though? Okay, it's not, it's not 52 with an exclamation point like we're excited, okay? It's 52 in math times 51 times 50 times 49 times 48 times 47 all the way down to 1. And you end up with a number I 
don't even know what that is. It's 80 with like 60-something digits after it. Okay, now, follow me on this. Let's say you set a timer for 52, it's called factorial seconds, this many seconds. Let's say you set a timer and you just, you were going to wait until that got all the way to zero. To, to explain to you how long that would take, and you just, we're going to go on an imaginary trip, okay? We're going to go to the equator, okay? You're going you're gonna to journey around the equator, okay? So you take a first step. There's just one caveat. Before you take that second step, you've got to wait one billion years, okay? A billion years. Then you take the next step. You wait another billion years. Next step. By the time you get all the way around the equator, here's what you get to do when you make that whole trip. Here's your big reward. You get to remove one drop from the Pacific Ocean. Okay? You're going you're gonna to make that trip around the equator again, one step every billion years, until you come back around and you get to remove another drop out of the Pacific Ocean. Okay? You keep going until the Pacific Ocean is dry. And all of you are like, after that many billion years, Nathan, it would have evaporated anyway. No, let's just pretend, okay, that it stayed the same volume minus the drops you're taking out. When you've finally emptied the Pacific Ocean, guess what you get to do? You get to lay down one sheet of paper. You keep doing it until that stack of papers, another sheet, another sheet, another sheet, reaches the sun. I know, it's like, okay, what? My, My brain just quit. I just quit. I'm done. Let's pray. Let's get out of here, okay? When you're done, when it reaches the sun... Again, we're pretending you can withstand the heat of the sun and all that, and that you've lived that many billion years. But anyway, you take the stack down, and guess where you're at? You're at one-third of this number. Here's what the psalmist is getting at. God's word withstands all of that. It is eternal. It's eternal. So, so do you really want to depend on and trust in yourself to deal with the dust around you? When God looked upon all of us and had such a heart for us that he said, no, 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 or I can give you something that is so lasting. It, well, it's eternal. That's what you can engage the dust of, of your life, of your surroundings, of your world with. Something that withstands all of it. No wonder the psalmist said what they said next. Verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Do you want to know what my goal for you is? If, if, if you landed in that category of just disinterested in the Bible, no judgment. But my goal for you, for the dust to come off of that, of, of that perspective, is to move you toward a dialogue in the coming weeks. Okay, if, if you would categorize yourself in that category of osmosis, I just, I just want to do this and say, Lord, go. Just, just put it all in. Um, my goal would be that we discover that together because we are going to be rich when we figure that out. No, uh, it would be that you, you could engage it in a way that actually quenches you. If, if your 
relationship with the Bible is every four years and it tends to come up in a political discussion. My goal would be that you see that it's so much more than an argument that supports your perspective. If your relationship with scripture is a weekly thing, then my goal for you would be that next step that maybe dusting off would be, I'm gonna engage it in the middle of the week, maybe once or twice. If your goal is daily, or if your category is daily and it helps you go to sleep, you know what my goal is for you? That it would actually give you rest. Not like fall asleep rest, but I mean as you go through your day, as you come across all that you come across, that when you encounter it, your soul actually breathes and it says, I've got rest and I am refreshed. And if you categorize yourself as somebody who you relate with it daily or close to it, The psalmist says it right here. If your law had not been my delight, delight. You want to know what my aim is for every single person in this church? That at some point in time, this would be your delight. Because you know what happens when this becomes your delight? When you engage the eternal word of God, you can delight in the middle of all the dust. You can. When you engage the eternal, you find delight in the middle of all the dust. You do. And God knew that. And so what God did is when he gave us this word, it's really interesting. It wasn't like a bunch of people just got together in a room and they decided, oh, what should it say? And, and, and they just came up with it. It's not how it worked. In fact, over 1,500 years, over 40 different people whose lives never overlapped who lived in completely different places, who who dealt with completely different situations, they were inspired to write the writings, the ancient writings that now give us the Holy Bible. 1,500 years, 40 people saying the same thing. It's the story of of a, a race that rebelled against God. It's the story of a king who instead of like gathering and amassing all his power and coming to earth and conquering, you know what he did? He said, I'm going to become like those in that race that have rebelled and then sacrificed for us to be right for the holy God who gave us this word. Think about it, 1,500 years, 40 different authors, more than 40 different authors. Now, just think about this for a minute. Parents, You hear a crash in the house, you run down, the kids are standing there, and you're trying to find out who, okay, who did it? And they can't even get the same account in in 30 seconds. I'm not talking about our kids, I mean other people's kids, because there's incredible parenting that happens at our house, okay? But we can't, we, we could not get in a room and decide on the same story together. But God, he said, you know what? I'll bring all this together and I'll bring it all together, not just for them, but so that future generations, when they engage the eternal word, would find delight in all of it. Now, you may be sitting here going, well, how do I get to delight? Number one, you pray your way there. This is not a willpower thing. You pray your way there, which we'll talk about in coming weeks. But number two, I think the psalmist gives us a few clues. That if you want to find your way to delight, listen to what he has to say over the next few verses. Verse 93, he says, I will never forget your precepts, for for by them you have preserved my life. Did you see what he was getting at there? Never forget. 
I mean, we get so fearful of memorizing because we think it's going to get so, um, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to be exciting. You know, memorizing doesn't, is, is not an exciting process. And yet when you memorize it, you know what you'll find? You'll find that you'll be going through your week and suddenly there it is. And it begins to inform all that you see in front of you. And when you read it, when you memorized it, you couldn't see how it was relevant. But as you walk through, as you listen to people, as you go through life, you know what happens? It begins, he begins to use it. He begins to open your eyes to what he's up to right in front of you and what he's invited you in on to be part of. He goes on, verse 94, save me. For I am yours. I have sought out your precepts. In other words, not just memorizing. It's saying, all right, look, Lord, I'm not excited to open my Bible today. All right, because a lot of times that's what we do. We look for excitement. And it's like, ah, there's a weird name. Ah, I don't know what that means. Ah, that's weird. And, and then we set it down. And it continues to gather dust. And the psalmist says, no, I've memorized it. I continue to seek it out. Verse 95, the wicked are waiting to destroy me. But I will, listen where he goes. When the wicked are waiting to destroy you, what do you and I do? Well, we strategize, right? We get on guard. We start watching that whoever we categorize or whatever we categorize as wicked. And we plan and we protect ourselves. And he says, no, my eyes aren't even there. The wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will ponder your statutes. I will ponder your statutes. I will ponder. I mean, I ponder a lot of things during the week. You know, what am I going to have for lunch today? How's my fantasy team? Oh, there's baby shark again in my head. You know, we ponder. Like, how'd that even come about? But I will ponder your statutes. I'll memorize them. I'll seek them out. I will ponder them. I'll chew on them. Verse 96, to all perfection, I see a limit, but your commands are boundless. They're immeasurable. Now, even that may not be enough to motivate you to open the word. And so let me, let me maybe land with something that, that ought to, and I hope it does, motivates you to dust off your Bible. You've surely gotten a letter from somebody. I was just talking with uh, Kayla on our staff this week, and we we're talking about mail. You know, kids love getting mail, right? And then you get to about adult years, and the mail's not fun, is it? No, because bills show up, right? But, but you know, when you get a letter from somebody, when you get a card from somebody, it is, what is it? It's really just writing on a page, isn't it? But what what makes the heart go pitter-patter? What makes, you, what makes you excited to read it? I mean, sure, there are words, but there's a person tied to it. Can I tell you what this is and what the Bible even says that the Bible is? It's the word of God, and as John described it, he said the word, in the beginning was the word, and then the word became flesh. See, the key to finding delight in the eternal word of God is remembering that it's not just a what. It's a who. It's a who. 
When I wake up in the morning, and, and Kara has written, we've got a little glass board with a chore list for all our kids. And by kids, I mean I'm one of them, so I have chores that I have to complete during the day as well. Some of you men, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now, okay? But you want to know why it's my delight to read those? Because it's not just a task, and it's not just a what. It's a who. Because of who, who wrote it, my bride. So how much more? How much more? Our Heavenly Father. Delighting in the word, the key to it, is remembering it's not just a what. It's a who. It's a who, who he said, you know, when when it's all said and done, right before he left this earth, he said there's one law that sums it all up. The new law is love. It's love. Love one another. Love God with everything in you. Love one another as I have loved you. Uh, while the worship team comes up, I, I'll end with this. This has become one of my most treasured possessions. And the reason for that, um, I had uh, my great-grandmother was born in 1897. She lived in England, lived to 106 years old, died in 2003. And a number of years after she died, I was given this Bible that was in her house. And as I opened this up, I mean, the pages are yellowed. The font is one. It's one. Um, it's, it's in old English. I, I mean, what? What are you even saying? Okay, anyway. And here's what's crazy. When you open it up and you actually begin to read what it says, <gasps> gasp, it says the exact same thing is the one that we could go buy at the store right now. But here's, here's the thing that jumped out to me. Just inside the cover here. She wrote, to Billy, that was my great-grandpa, from Belle. Her name was Isabel. June 22nd, 1928. June 22nd, 1928. And as I asked my dad, hey, you know, how old would she have been? What was her life situation around then? They were married. A couple of kids. She would have been 31 years old. And I sat there and I thought, huh. That's somebody who at 31 years old, like many of us, I'd like you to think of me as 31 years old, not 41, okay? A mom talking to her husband, thinking about their marriage, thinking about their lives together, thinking about maybe all the dust that has collected around them and the journey it's been. She said, you know what? We need this. We need this. And I, I, I don't know if they sat there and thought, how is this relevant? But can you imagine looking around and just saying, what if we engaged the eternal word in the middle of a time of life where they were probably busier than ever and they were parents and they were married and they had jobs and all the different things that they walked through? Because see, that's what you do when you dust off the cover and you open it up. When you engage the eternal word of God, you find delight in the middle of the dust. And so, I'm sorry, worship team, I got one more thing. Um, in, the, in the coming days, uh, listen, regardless of the category that you fall in, I would like to invite you, if you're not on our email list, um, you can go to our website and get on the email list. And I want to just send, you're going to have to opt in to this because I don't want to just blast everybody with emails. But for five days, I want us to chew on... It's just a handful of verses together. 
Okay, and so if you're interested in that, you can go to our homepage, you can sign up for the email list, and you'll get an email, it'll either be tonight or tomorrow, and we're just going to open the eternal word together, and, and I can promise you this, you won't be disappointed. At some point, he is faithful to bring you to delight in the middle of all the dust of this world. With that being said, let me close in prayer, and the worship team will lead us out. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word. I mean, when we look at Psalm 119, and as we, as we look at the rest of your word, it is clear, it is clear that you have given us something so eternal, so transcendent of anything we could face in this life. And then, right when we thought, wow, that would be enough, you sent the word in flesh. You sent us a savior. Jesus Christ, who when we wonder what does it look like to engage with and live out the word, we have only to look to him who left us with the eternal law for all time to love you with everything in us and to love others as we love ourselves the way you loved us when you first created us. And so Lord, Lord, draw us to your word We cannot willpower and manufacture a greater desire or delight for it, but we know you're faithful too. And so regardless of anybody's perspective or journey with scripture, Lord, I pray that you'd clear that all away. And maybe starting this week, draw us to you in your word in the rich nourishment of all of it. Delight us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.